God, we come to you today and asking that you would speak to us through the power of your word. God, knowing that it is through your word that you can correct and rebuke one of us. You can teach us and train us how to live obedient, holy, and righteous lives. And so God, today I pray that we would understand what it means to be a church that is vitally living out on a daily basis the faith that we have put our trust in, to put our trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that leads us to life and life more abundantly through your Son. And so, God, we pray today that you speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 42. And while you're getting there, I'm going to go ahead and have you stand. We're kind of starting something new, something different, uh, but at the same time, something I think we should do. So I'm going to have you stand in honor as we read God's Word. Listen to what we start in Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 42, and you'll have the words up here to follow along if you don't have a Bible with you. And so listen to what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with what? With awe. There's a, there is a sense of awe as God works. So everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You can have a seat And we're going to continue as we continue along through our Vital Signs series. We talked about a number of things that were evident in a church, and we're going to have it pop up here on this next slide. But there are a number of things we've identified that are vitally important in a church that is successful. Go ahead and pop that thing up there, Anna. All right. Number one, we said a couple weeks ago, was a desire for God and His Word. A church, a healthy church, has certain vital signs evident in it, and that is, number one, that there is a desire for God and His Word. What I find ironic is how many people I run into, not necessarily here, but how many people I run into who say, hey, I'm a believer, and it's like great, grand, wonderful, but their life doesn't reflect what God's Word says. And listen, that may be something that goes on in your own life. What we have to begin to do is have a desire for God's Word so that God can change my heart deep inside to do what He wants. So we have a desire for God and His Word. Number two, a healthy church or a church with healthy vital signs has a desire to get people to Jesus. So last week we looked at, at the, the, the parable or the story of the four men or the many men who brought a man and four of them carried him on a mat and they dug a hole through the ceiling and they said, basically, we got to do whatever it takes to get this person to Jesus. So they dug a hole in the roof to get this man down to Jesus, which all the religious people flipped out. And we're like, what the heck is going on? Because Jesus just forgave this man's sins. And if you remember, Jesus says, hey, look, not only do I have the power to forgive sins, which is better, all right, but I could just do what I want to do, and I could tell him, hey, get up and walk. And so the guy gets up, walks off, and goes home, all right? So there's the second one was the desire to get people to Jesus. And I hope, as a church, you were challenged by that reality that our goal is to get people from where they're at seeing their need for a Savior, and then leading them to Jesus Christ. Because that's the whole point of the gospel. The reason Jesus died on the cross is because you and I need a Savior, and that's what he died for and rose again. So, And then number three, which is where we're going to be at today, a desire to contribute or to be a part of the body of the church. 
One of the biggest misconceptions in a lot of people's minds is that I don't need to join, I don't need to be a part, I don't need to, I can just come on Sunday morning, everything's good. Now listen, if you are a first-time guest or somebody who kind of is new to the area, I want to encourage you, I'm not expecting anything from you. But from our members, the people who have committed to the church, there is a commitment level that takes place in the New Testament church that a lot of times churches miss out on. Matter of fact, there's the old adage, if you've grown up in church, you would hear things like this, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, the last time I checked, if 20% of the chiefs contributed to 80% of the effort or the playing ability, the chiefs would have never made the Super or I mean, uh, playoffs, sorry. I know they didn't make the Super Bowl, sorry, but if, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's like squish, you know, but, but the reality is this, if you only have 20% contribution in a team, what in reality is going to happen as a result? The team suffers. As a matter of fact, if you had 20% contribution from a team, there's going to be infighting and there's going to be conflict and there's going to be like, why are you not carrying your weight? Another person is going to be like, I'm carrying my weight, how come you aren't? And there's just this infighting that can go on. What we want to look at today is this, and my sermon title, I think, gets it together for us, is that it's this idea that we are together for the gospel. In Acts chapter 2, what we saw is the beginning of a great movement throughout the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit was unleashed on the church, when the people of God began to do what they were called to do, and as a result, it says that the church grew massively, drastically, in great ways. And so what I want to challenge you today is this, to evaluate and ask myself, am I a contributor? Do I contribute to the body of Christ? Do I contribute to the body of the church? And so we're looking at vital signs, and we talked about this, but I want to ask you this big question. What's your resting heart rate? You were like, wait, what? What's your resting heart rate? The average person's or average human's resting heart rate's between 62 and 67 all right? But I want to ask you this question. What's your active heart rate? And it really depends on how active you are. If you never work out and then all of a sudden decide to go work out, your active heart rate's probably going to be like 190. You're going to about give yourself a heart attack. We had a, 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 a substitute teacher when I was growing up. His name was Marv Strau. Marv Strau was a 400-pound guy. Matter of fact, if you go back and look up Marv Strau, didn't know it at the time, but Marv Strau was on the Green Bay Packers' first championship team. Marv Strau was one of our substitute teachers, and I'll never forget, I was my junior year in high school, I was in econ class, and Marv Strau came in. I mean, it was like every bit of work to get him into the class. And I mean, he's just huffing, and he's puffing, and he would sit down, just a big guy, got a cane, sat down. He's probably, at this time, I'm guessing mid-60s, maybe even 70s. Funny guy, greatest guy in the world. But anyways, I'm in the back of class, and I kept talking, and you'd hear, Grout, shut up. And I kept talking, and I heard it again. Grout, I think I said shut up. It got quiet for a little bit. About a minute later, started talking again. Grout, if you don't shut up, I'm going to come back there and sit on you. At which point, me as a 17-year-old said, yeah, I'd like to see you. Catch me. Thinking, what are you going to do? You can't catch me. There's no way. And he goes, well, I don't need to catch you. I'll just offer to sit on you, and I'm pretty sure everybody around you would love to see me kill you. <laughs> and it was like, zip. 
But Marv Strauss' heart rate was completely different. And the reason I'm asking you this question is, what is your active versus your resting state or heart rate is really to get to this. Your resting heart rate should be calm when you're resting. But it should increase, your active heart rate should increase as I do more, as I'm involved in more. In order to improve your fitness, in order to be stronger, to gain more stamina, to be ready to, whether it's run a 5K or a marathon, you have to increase your heart rate, the ability for your heart to withstand the pressures you put it under. And likewise, I want you to see about this, why I'm referring to heart rate is that many today have an okay resting heart rate in the church, but they haven't exercised on a regular basis in order to improve the stamina when tough times hit and to strengthen the weak areas in our life. So when we talk about this resting heart rate and this active heart rate, my question really is this, what is your active heart rate within the church? Your resting heart rate's gonna be one thing, but when the going gets tough, when you start to work out to get stronger, to build the stamina, to have the fortitude to stand against the battles that the enemy wants to throw against you or against the tough times that life is gonna give you, what is your active heart rate really like? And I believe it has something to do, we really have to look at this idea of regularly working out within the local body of believers so that I can increase my stamina, increase the ability of my active heart rate to be stronger, to develop the stamina and the strength I need so that when times get tough, I don't feel alone. So here's the big question or here's the big kicker. If you remember anything, the big point, I want you to remember this, that a healthy church gathers regularly and puts its spiritual muscles into action to worship God in ways that engage the heart, soul, mind, and strength of the people. A healthy church gathers regularly and puts its spiritual muscles into action to worship God in ways that engage the heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you remember anything, I just want you to remember that. You don't have to remember the next four points. You don't have to remember everything else. But remember this, that a healthy church is a group of people gathering together regularly, putting their spiritual muscles into action in a way to worship God. That then allows me to engage the Lord with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Does that sound like something that God called us to do? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So a healthy church is adamant about that. Now listen, I understand today, matter of fact, if you look at the statistics, a lot of people, they talk about how church attendance is declining, how people, matter of fact, they say that the average church member, not just the church attender, the average church member attends two Sundays out of every four in a month. And yet there's some way, shapes, or forms, and listen, I'm not going to play legalistic pastor up here, but there are some reasons, there are things that we put as a priority in our life that if they usurp the authority of God in our life, if they usurp the authority of being a part of a local body of the church, then we wonder why when the times get tough, we struggle. Matter of fact, I will say this, and as a result of everything that we went through over the last month with my dad passing away, I can honestly say this, and I'm not just talking from this church. I don't know where we would be without the church. I loved everything that everybody did for us here. But it wasn't just you guys either. 
It was the church I grew up in out in Wyoming, the family that we developed as a result of that. It was my parents' church that they're a part of still out there. That was what we thrived on. That is what we relied upon. When you face the most difficult of circumstances, you need the body of Christ to help you out. And a healthy church gathers regularly, listen, to flex the muscles. Greg had a great illustration today in our deacons meeting this morning, and he used the Wounded Warrior Project logo. At some point in time, you're going to be the person carrying somebody, and at another point in time, you're going to be the person getting carried. It's just a matter of what's going on in your life. And so a healthy church gathers regularly. My, my big question is this. As a result of that, why should I contribute then to the local church? Why should I become a member? Why should I connect to it? Why should I be a contributor to the local church? And I believe that there are four things that we see in today's section of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. Number one is this. Why should I contribute to the local church? Number one is this, because it's a devotion to the gospel. Listen again what it said. It says that they were devoted or they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, this idea of devotion is literally this idea of being continually steadfast, to give a large part of one's time and resources to the cause. They devoted themselves. If I said, I'm a devoted fan of the Kansas City Royals, what would that mean? I'm probably given a lot of time I may be reading, I may be watching videos, I may have even spent a lot of money and resources going to games and doing all kinds of things I can because I'm a devoted fan. See, devotion is something that plays out not just in the time we give, but in what we give as well. Our resources, our efforts, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, everything that we face and so devotion to the gospel says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. See, the people in the early church understood the importance of devotion to the gospel and devotion to one another. As a matter of fact, in today's culture or in today's way, I'll even say this, that a devotion to the gospel will oftentimes get you ostracized to a certain extent. I find it ironic with what's going on in today's world that we value kids' lives as long as it doesn't interfere with the altar of sex. And then all of a sudden we can say, hey, well, you know, it's the woman's right to choose. That's a complete violation of the gospel. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a complete violation of the gospel because we shouldn't be going after anything like that. See, we have allowed certain things to penetrate our culture and penetrate our society, but the early church understood that when you stand on the truth of the gospel, there are going to be things that come up, but they were devoted to it. They were devoted to being taught to commit and devote my life to the cause of the church and to the good news of the gospel. And so my question to you is this, why should you contribute to the local church? Because it's a devotion to the gospel. I say this regularly. And I've had a lot of people say, well, I just don't like the church. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Okay, there's a number of things. First and foremost, the church is full of sinners. Let's not lie or deny it. We're all sinners. If you're a believer in Christ, you're still a sinner, saved by grace, through faith, not by works that anybody can boast. So in other words, you're not boasting about yourself. Who do you boast about? 
Jesus Christ. I only boast in Christ and Christ alone because that's the only way I can stand before the holy God and say, this is why I am to be in heaven with you. Not because of anything I've done, but only because of Christ. So there's a devotion to the gospel in that sense. So we commit our, ourselves to the gospel. But I also have to understand this. If you are against the church or you say, I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Number one, we said it's full of sinners. So that means at some point somebody's going to sin against you and you're going to sin against somebody else. Okay, there's number one. Number two, the church is God's bride. And when people say, I hate the church, in reality, what you're saying is, I hate your wife. Now, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, Brian, I really like you a lot, but your wife, I hate her. Me and them aren't going to be on good talking terms, are we? Like, I'm just, I'm sorry. Like, I can't hang out with you, dude. Like, because like, I'm, I'm just waiting for you to say something else. So, so listen to me, the church is going to have problems. When people say the church is full of hypocrites, well, yep, that's in reality, that's true. We're all sinners, okay? But when you have a problem with the bride of Christ, you really have a problem with Jesus. So when people say, well, I love Jesus, but I just can't stand his church, well, there's the issue. Now, I have to clarify, because some churches tend to drift towards traditionalism and away from following the gospel. And so I understand that there are things. We, we sometimes let human ideas dictate the direction the church is going to go instead of being obedient to what God's called us to do. So listen, why should I contribute to the church? Number one is because there's a devotion to the gospel when you do that. I am devoted to what he's doing. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. There's this idea of correctly handling the word of truth when I'm devoted to the gospel. So I just ask you a very simple question. Are you devoted to the gospel? And if you are, what are you doing to take it in? It says that they were devoted to the apostles or the disciples' teachings. Are you devoted to God's teaching? Are you willing to get connected? Are you willing to be plugged in? Maybe it's a Sunday school class. Maybe it's a life group. It's obviously even your own personal study, but they were devoted to the good news. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Number two is this. Why should I contribute to a local church? Because it's the very thing I need in fellowship and prayer. It is the very thing I need in fellowship and prayer. And a matter of fact, let me, let me just speak to this because we're having our Super Bowl party afterwards. Fellowship is not a Baptist term. Okay? Baptists didn't corner the market on fellowship. Our idea of fellowship is always what? Always. I mean, heck, what do you go into 90% of Baptist churches and what do you got? Hey, where's your fellowship what? Right? It's not where's your dining room. It's like we developed this idea. It's like we cornered the market. No, this idea of fellowship, yes, it can take place because it talks about the breaking of bread. All right? Yes, it can take place around eating, but there is a relational connection that takes place within the church body that you and I all need. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You can't do it on your own. Lone Ranger had Tonto, didn't he? 
I mean, there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And so this idea is more than eating together. It includes breaking bed, but really it's a time of hanging out. It's a time of connecting. It's a time of carrying one another's burdens. And it's a time of praying for one another. That's why it goes on and it says, they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, which was the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they were together. Matter of fact, the church is a place where believers can Love one another, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. Encourage one another, Hebrews 3, 13. To spur one another on towards love and good deeds or good works, which is what we just read in Hebrews 10. Serve one another in Galatians chapter 5, 13. To instruct one another in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. To honor one another, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And to be kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians chapter 4. Fellowship is this idea that we carry that together that we celebrate each other's lives, that we can push one another. Matter of fact, I love being pushed. When I would lift weights, which I haven't done in years, when I, when I would lift weights back in college, baseball and stuff like that, it was always best to have somebody to work out with. Why? Because they pushed me. Sometimes it might be making fun of you, like, oh, come on, you big Sally, you can lift more than that, can't you? you know? Other times it was a challenge to say, hey, you did that, next week we're going to up the up the ante, we're going to increase the weight. We're going to push one another. And that's the idea within the church is that we push one another towards love and good deeds. Anybody ever, you, you feel like you just got the market cornered on love? I mean, all you got to do for me is get in the car with me one day at about 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> and you'll realize I struggle with love. On certain, I'm like, I'm going to, what the heck? I was telling somebody the other day, I was driving out to Jeff City on Wednesday and I, I mean, like, I completely minded my own business. I'm behind the car in front of me. We're just, it, it was a slow area right as you get out of Columbia into Jeff City. And this lady comes flying up. I mean, she flies up. No blinker. Cuts in between us. I mean, and she's in this big truck. And then she slams on her brakes. And I was like, what the? Whoa. I slowed, on, slowed down real quick. Left lane's clear. I get over. And as I go past her, didn't do a thing. Boom. I was like. What did I do to you? Trust me, there was not much love at that point in my thought. Like, oh, lady, I love you. I mean, it was just like, what the heck? I didn't do anything. But we push one another on towards love and good deeds. We're compassionate with one another. We're kind to one another. And I, I believe this wholeheartedly. There is something that takes place within the body of Christ when you fellowship together and listen to me, when you pray together. See, prayer is the very time where we communicate with God, asking Him to move the mountains that we can't move. When the mountain is before you and you look and you go, it's impossible to do that. Do you try and do it on your own or do you go to God in prayer? Usually, there's some way we think, well, I just, I just got to do it. I got to pull up my bootstraps and we're going to get to work. God is the one who does and moves mountains. Matter of fact, I would encourage you and ask you this question. Are you praying mountain-moving prayers? Are you praying really anthill prayers? Because a lot of times we don't pray about big things. We don't ask God to move mountains. We don't ask God to do the impossible. We pray over little, tedious, tiny things. And I'm not saying those aren't important. But I'm asking you, do you pray mountain-moving prayers? 
Listen to what happens as a result. They were devoted to the teaching. They were together fellowshipping and breaking bread, and they were committed to prayer in that. And then listen to what happens in verse 33. Everyone was filled with awe. That's people inside the church. And I would have to ask this question. When was the last time you were filled with awe over what God was doing? In your own life? In your family? and even in the church. Listen, as a result of being devoted to those things, everyone was filled with awe. Sometimes we feel like we have to do stuff. We feel like we have to be the ones that create the awe when God is the one who creates the awe as He works in us because we're obedient. So why should I contribute to the local church? Because guess what? And here is the beauty of the picture of the local church. As God changes me and I contribute to the church and people see what goes on in my life and people see what goes on in the church, everybody else stands back and watches and sees it with awe. I've said this over and over and over again. I don't want to be a part of a church that easily explains away the works of God by saying, well, this is what we did. I want to be a part of a church that stands back and goes, yeah, we got no explanation other than the fact that God showed up. We could say we did all kinds of things, and that doesn't mean we're going to be successful. Because the Bible is very clear that Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So why contribute to the local church? Because you need that fellowship and prayer. Matter of fact, the next thing is to, to really get you to understand this is to exercise your gifts. Why should I contribute to the local church? Because it helps you exercise your gifts. Look at verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. Now that doesn't mean a lot of people use these verses as a way to say, see, the Bible's all about socialism. That's not at all what it means. It says that selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. When you exercise your gifts, you are able to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you as a result of what you may be experienced, as a result of what you are educated in, and you are able to use those to build up the body of the church. Matter of fact, if you were to go on and read, I can give you Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you realize that the body, it says, is made of many members. It doesn't have a bunch of arms. I mean, could you imagine like a dude up here with a bunch of right arms? No left arm? What if I had no legs? Just like six right arms. It'd be cool. I'd, be, I'd, I'd have been on The Greatest Showman, right? I mean, like, you know, you'd have been, been a circus freak or something like that. But the church is made up of many members. The church has many gifts, talents, abilities. And listen to me, it is a pure lie by the enemy if you think you have nothing to contribute to the body of Christ. You have everything to contribute to the body of Christ. You're valued, you're loved. Everything you've gone through, whether good or bad, can be used in a great way by God to build you up to build the church up, to build others up who are even outside the church and who need to hear the goodness of the gospel. 
You are not useless. You are not hopeless. You are not broken. God has something great in store for you. And so for us to understand that, you have to understand that when you exercise your gifts, you strengthen them. You are a contributing part of it. Matter of fact, this whole idea of exercising is putting them into practice. Again, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. But some began selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as they had need. See, your exercising of your gifts is giving back to those who may be in need. You struggle with depression? Guess what? There are other people who struggle with depression. You struggle with doubt and discouragement? Man, there's lots of people who struggle with doubts and discouragement. You say, I don't have it all together. Guess what? None of us do. Sunday mornings are the worst morning usually in our family. I'm just going to tell you that. I'm a point blank. I'll tell you that as a pastor. Nine times out of ten, we got arguments in the car. Knock it off. Sit down. Be quiet. Quit talking to your sister like that. Quit touching each other. I'm going to whoop your tail if you give it, you know, I mean, that's what, it's like, what the heck? But when I exercise my gifts, when I use the gifts that God has given me, the talents and the abilities that God has given me to strengthen, to encourage, to equip other believers, to use it to build up the body of Christ, guess what? Everybody benefits. And then everybody else who's outside the church stands back and goes, wow, look at that. There are some great things that go on in great people's lives just simply because they were obedient to putting their gifts to use in the church. You work with finances? Hey, we need help with finances. And I'm not just talking about giving. We need help with finances. You work as a mechanic, guess what? We got a great opportunity coming up in the spring. We're going to do oil changes for single moms and veterans and older people within the church. They're going to sign up, and we're going to do oil changes here at the church to share the gospel. You like mechanic stuff? Hey, we need your help. And I'm all about that. You got talents to teach? We need people who teach. You got talents to love and serve? We need people who can love and serve. Everybody contributes, and that's the beauty of it. Think about this. If, if the reality is true that they say 20% of the people do 80% of the work, what if 80% of the people spread the work? You know how awesome that would be? Do you know what the church could accomplish as a result of that? Remember the church not being just a local building, but the church being the body of Christ. Your gifts, your talents, and abilities, God gave you for a reason. Not to hold them in, but to exercise them, to build them up, to strengthen the church. And then the last thing I want to wrap up with this. How do I contribute to the local church? You bear each other's burdens. Listen to what happens in verse 30, uh, 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. See, here's the reality that takes place as we dig into this final part. When you bear each other's burdens, you are able to carry the weight of those when they can't go through life on their own. You're able to carry the burden that when somebody loses a loved one, you can stand up beside them and you can lift them up and help them out. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of lay this out that, that as you understand that, that those who are part of the church family should never 
feel alone. When life is going great, they should have the affirmation of others. But when life throws us a curveball, they need the blessing and the loving concern and the support and the prayer of the body of Christ. And so that's why we as a church have established or, or started, restarted, I, I don't even know if we've ever had it, restarted our deacon family ministry. So here's what I'm going to do, just real quick so you know that. I'm going to have our deacons stand up where you're at. Deacons, go ahead and stand up. All right. Just so you know, here's, here's the deacons, here's the men who are going to serve you in the church, okay? All right? Everybody who's a member has been assigned a deacon. And I'm going to throw the deacons, deacons, you can have a seat, sorry, thank you. I, I'm going I'm to throw the deacons under the bus because I want you to understand this. This is not a proverbial bus to a certain extent. They're going to be contacting you over the next couple of weeks to let you know that they are your deacon. Every family has been assigned a deacon. You're going to be contacted. When you're in need of something, you're in need of prayer. You're in need of financial situation. You're in a financial pinch and something comes up. You're in need of, of somebody to, to, to stand by and help you out. You, you got problems in the home. Look, my, my, this, this has been thrown into a reality for me with my mom now living out in Wyoming by herself. She called me the other day, Brian, I don't know what to do. Your dad always changed the oil. I don't even know where to start. I'm like, well, we got to find a place. When you are in need, you will be cared for by one of these men. When you have a prayer or a struggle, when they call you, get their number so that you can call them. And listen, here's the beauty of this. In Acts chapter 6, as a result of the deacon body working in a great way, as a result of the men who led out in serving the body of Christ, it says in, in, in Acts chapter 6 that as a result of properly functioning as deacons, the deacons taking care of that, it says that the word of God spread and God continued to add to the number of those who were being saved daily by the church or in the church, through the church. And so the deacons are going to call you. And if you're not a member, here's what we're going to say. Coming up in February, we're going to do our tour again. The tour is our new members class. It's just simple. After church on a Sunday, we'll give you lunch. We walk through what it is. We ask, obviously, everybody has to be a believer. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptized, then you follow him by, uh, in obedience to baptism, and you, you can become a part of the church. But you have to commit to the six things that we ask you to commit to. It's a covenant. Three of them are the ones we just started talking about. And so if you're interested in that, starting in, in a, uh, well, I saw, sorry, I said in February, it's February now, in March, we're going to be doing the tour, sorry, I've lost January with everything that went on, all right? But in March, we're going to be doing the tour. I want to encourage you to be plugged in, get connected, to be a part of it. You can come to the tour and you still don't have to become a member of the church. It's just a simple way of us introducing what we believe how we're going to care for you, and then the reality is this, the expectation of members. Listen, every member is a missionary in the church. In some way, shape, or form, that got misconstrued in our ideas, in our minds. That missionaries, well, those are the people who get paid and go off overseas. No, every member is a missionary. Every member is to be on mission. Every believer is to be on mission for Christ on a daily basis. 
And so I said this, to carry each other's burdens. Why? Why do I need to be a part of it? Because we need you. We need you to carry each other's burdens. We want to carry your burdens. We want to strengthen and encourage one another through calls, through texts, whatever it is. And as a matter of fact, I stand back and say this. My wife and I experienced that in an unbelievable and amazing way. And I could stand up and I could say thanks. I mean, you, you, you guys did so much. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, the thing that blew my mind the most, and they don't know that I was going to use this, but was when Pat and Mike and Greg walked through the doors of my mom and dad's church. Because I had walked out of the sanctuary that day. We're about an hour, maybe, maybe 45 minutes away from my dad's funeral. And I walked out the doors of the worship center, and my mom was walking in with Mike and Pat and Greg. And I lost it. I was done. Like, it was over. <laughs> like, like, I was a weeping, sobbing mess. But I want you to know what that meant. And I want you to understand this, that that should be that way for everybody. Not just because I'm the pastor. That when you walk through the deepest, darkest recesses of life and you feel like you just can't continue on, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go and where to turn to, you're, you're looking for hope, you're looking for direction, that you can call upon people in the church who will carry you because that's the only way you're going to keep moving. And so I say thank you from the, from the deepest part of my heart for giving that to us. But I want you to also know that I don't think we stop there. We have to provide the care and the comfort and the encouragement for everybody else. So that's why we're going to focus on this. We're going to push it. The deacons are here to help out. They're going to care for you. They're going to love you. And we're going we're to continue to push forward, to be obedient to what God has called us to do. See, I believe this wholeheartedly, and we said it already, that a healthy church gathers regularly, and puts its spiritual muscle into action to worship God in ways that engage the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength of the people. When you contribute to the church, you engage your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But as you're doing that, guess what happens? Your contribution helps somebody else contribute and see and worship God through heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That we bear the weight and the burdens of those around us. And then I just want to close with this part right here. Listen to what happens in verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, I believe wholeheartedly that this is what happens, that when we are continuing or we are focused on being a, a church that notices the vital signs, that we want to be a healthy church that focuses on what God has called us to do, then I believe that God does His work just simply because we're being obedient to what he's called us to do. That's the greatest way to see God work. We can manipulate circumstances. We can manipulate situations. We can try and manipulate people, but that's not love. That's not grace, and that's not God-sized work. 
God-sized work is us just being obedient to what he's called us to do. And so my question is this. Are you committed to the body? Are you willing to fellowship, to spend time in fellowship and prayer? Are you willing? Are you willing to exercise your gifts? And then the last thing, are you willing to carry one another's burdens? Because that's the call of the local church. Let's pray. Well, God, I know it is no light thing to talk about what it means to be committed to the body of Christ what it means to be committed as a local believer, as a local member of a local church. And so, God, we know that oftentimes there can be bad circumstances or bad experiences that people have gone through in the past as a result of just the simple fact that we are imperfect sinners who make up a church, your bride, the body of Christ. And so we know that there's going to be times where we may offend somebody, we may say something that hurts someone. We may even do something. We may lash out in anger. We may show no love in a time where somebody needed the the love that we could have to offer. And so, God, I just pray simply that we would understand what it means to contribute to the body, that we can exercise our spiritual muscles by putting our gifts into action, by bearing one another's burdens, by, by, by being devoted to your word by growing in our relationship with other people through fellowship and prayer. And so, God, I pray today, just as we close the service, that we would be a healthy church, a healthy church that's focused on being obedient to what you've called us to do first and foremost. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death, his burial, and his resurrection that offers us life. We thank you for the fact that we are called to be his bride. We are called to be the image of Christ to the world. And so, God, I pray that we would bear that image, that people would look at us, that they would see Jesus in us, and that, God, we could stand back and we could tell them about who he is and what he's done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do.